so uh, anyway, we're just going to help you just kind of make practical what we're teaching on Sunday. We're talking about the Holy Spirit and uh, how he wants to uh, work in our lives in a fresh way so that we can share Jesus and share life with others, right? Right? How many understand? All right. So, Lord, take the word of God tonight, minister life as we uh, talk through a few questions and uh, minister life to us. And for that, we give thanks in Jesus' name. You agree? So how we want to get, you going to start out? I will. Okay, stand up so everybody can oh. see you. Hey see guys. your pretty hairy legs. There they are. He's oh got his gosh. pants like on. There yeah, you go. they're pretty hairy. <laughs> All right, that's not the question, so. <laughs> All right, so I'm, I've been told to keep you at two minutes. I got a timer. You have a timer? I that's do. awesome. And I'll make sure it's really, really loud. I feel the pressure. Do, 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 do. All right, so what the first question is, what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? Ah, well. Uh, hmm, that's a good question. Uh, uh, Ephesians 4, uh, 30, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. And so obviously, how many of you can grieve the Holy Spirit with your words? Wrong words, words that aren't edifying, that don't build others up. How many know gossip would grieve, grieve the Holy Spirit? You can grieve the Holy Spirit by disobeying what he's telling you to do, by giving in to the flesh, hardening your heart. And, uh, and so that grieves the Lord. You know, the Israelites grieve God when, when he wanted them to walk with him and they chose idolatry. And we can grieve God today when we go after our culture, when we go after what the people around us are doing to, to you know, just kind of just bring some kind of a, a pseudo sense of peace in their lives. We can grieve the Holy Spirit by building, actually worshiping idols. We don't have physical idols, but anything, somebody said idolatry is, uh, is anything uh, that you do that takes the place of what God alone should be doing for you. So idolatry can be, how many know a relationship can be an idol? Obviously, alcoholism can be an idol. Drugs can be an idol. Porn can be an idol. Sex can be an idol. Uh, work can be an idol. How about serving God can even be an idol? You gotta take time with him. So anyway, how many more seconds I got? You anyway. 47 seconds. A left? Yes, sir. Wow, I got a lot to say, yeah. man. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, you can grieve the Holy Spirit by simply not listening to him. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, Jesus mentioned the fact that, uh, that you can grieve him at where he won't manifest anymore. So, um, you know, you want to listen to what he's saying. You want to obey him. And all of us, we're, we're living in a really challenging moment in time. And uh, I encourage you, 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 you grieve him by not doing anything with the word not doing anything with fellowship with the Lord and just leaving him alone. You know, Susan and I have been married 42 years and, and we talk, we communicate, we hug and kiss and smooch every day, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if I neglected her, it would grieve her and, and likewise it would grieve me if she neglected me. So don't neglect your relationship with the Lord. Go ahead. My timer is going off. Okay. That was very good. Thank you, Pastor. Our uh, next one is, what does it mean when someone departs from the faith? What are the subtle signs that I am doing this? Wait a minute. So I have a question. Can you see him on the screen? So you may want to stand up or do something when you do the questions. Just we're doing this for an audience online as well. And and I want people to see you. So stand up when you talk. So say it again. Okay. I was distracted. All right. So what does it... What does it mean to grieve the whole? I'm sorry, that's that's the first first one. What does it mean when someone departs from the faith? 
What are the subtle signs that I am doing this? Well, um, let's just go back to what the scripture I mentioned Sunday said about that. And that was, I believe, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. And this is New Living Translation. Now the Holy Spirit uh, tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the faith or depart from the faith, King James says. Uh, they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. So departing from the faith is getting away from the word, number one, and what God is clearly saying in Scripture. And, you know, it's a, it's a sad commentary to the state uh, in some ways of the church today, particularly in America, uh, the itching ear syndrome seems to have have encroached on our times. And, um, you know, people want to hear certain things. And there's so many churches available that if you don't preach and teach what people want to hear, they should get up. Sometimes I, we have people get up. Sometimes just leave right in the middle of what we're saying. Because, because what's being said is not something that they want to hear. But how many know we're not supposed to preach what the culture's doing? We're supposed to preach and teach what, what Jesus said, what the Word says, and what the purposes and will and plan of God is. And sometimes that grows, goes crosswise to culture. So uh, there are lots of deceptions today. Anything that tells me that I can live any lifestyle, act any way, and do what everybody else in my culture is doing, and walk with God and one day go to heaven, that is deception. And we have a lot of deception. So we could go into detail on that, but I'm not going to do it. Not tonight, unless you have more questions about that. Uh, yeah, you still have 18 seconds. You, you want to use that up? I would abuse that. <laughs> I know you would. All right. Next one is, what does it mean to be in the flesh? What does it mean to be in the flesh? What, uh, in the flesh means uh, listening to, the, to your physical person instead of, of listening to the voice of God in your heart. All of us have habits. All of us have, uh, you know, we are spirit, soul, and body. I mentioned that Sunday morning. So our spiritual nature obviously relates to God. In our spiritual nature is the Holy Spirit. I mentioned that Sunday. And, and with the Holy Spirit comes a desire to walk with God, to do his will, a desire to change. We become new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. All things become new. Our, our mind, our soul, our, our soul. So we got spirit, soul, body, soul. I'm going to talk fast. Can you all listen fast? I mentioned this Sunday, so you got mind, emotions, will. My mind has to change uh, to sync with my inner person. I change my mind by renewing it with the word. How many understand that? You may have questions about renewing your mind. And then, and then my emotions can be ablaze with all kinds of things that will lead me away from God into doing things I did before I knew the Lord. And so I've got to be careful that I, that I develop my spiritual nature, that I renew my mind. And then we've got to keep our flesh under. We still have inclinations, habits, idiosyncrasies, you know, after, after Christ that we had before Christ because we developed physical habits. And those physical habits, some are good, some are bad. The capacity of habit is not in and of itself bad. But we, so we can have good habits and bad habits. And we have habits, hang on, so that, so that we don't, you know, so that life is not so boring. We do some things instantaneously. But some habits we create uh, that are sinful habits, the Holy Spirit will tag them. So in the flesh means I'm doing and saying and acting and living in ways that, that God says he doesn't want me to live. I'm in the flesh, not in the spirit. So I'm listening to my body, listening to my mind, listening to my emotions apart from the influence of God in his word. 
That's perfect. Perfect timing, too. Um, let's see. <laughs> Still have six seconds. All right. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? Is it passive? What waiting on the wait Lord. On the Lord. You know, waiting. You know, what, what, what happens in a Susan, I took Susan to, uh, I took Susan to uh, Brio Italian Restaurant today. Anybody ever been there? They have some amazing food. And so we were waited on by a waitress. And so what did that waitress do? Well, she, uh, she attended to us. She brought us our beverages. She brought us our food. She checked in on us, make sure everything's okay. In fact, she was making sure that we were comfortable. When I wait on the Lord, you know, it's not a passive thing. I'm fellowshipping with him. I'm talking with him. So waiting on the Lord uh, entails several things. Waiting on the Lord, how many know it entails getting in the word? Let me say this again. Years ago, a wonderful, I think it might have been uh, uh, Andrew Murray, uh, said you can, oh, it was E.W. Kenyon that I think about. It. You, can, you can pray for hours fruitlessly if your heart is not prepared beforehand. So if you come to our prayer meetings, that's the reason I read something from Scripture. I read something from a book. I try to stir up our spiritual life first. So, so waiting on the Lord entails, number one, getting in the Word. Secondly, after you get the Word in you and get your mind kind of in gear with the Word again, it just kind of it kind of brings your spiritual nature to attention when you get in the Word, right? I ne- Listen, this, rarely do I. Ever once in a blue moon, but I rarely pray before I get in the Word in my daily devotions. I always get in the Word first, and I've been doing this for decades. And then I pray because that stirs it up. Then waiting on the Lord entails, obviously, praying and fellowshipping with God. That involves a number of things. That involves worshiping and praising God. That also involves uh, petition prayer. It also involves praying for others. It all also involves praying in the Spirit. It also involves just spending time, just being quiet in the presence of God. I waited on the Lord before the service in my office, and the presence came. I've got a really good little sound system thing in my office, and there's a certain songs. I, if I play them, the presence comes. Cut that thing off. <laughs> Yeah, I'm joking. If I play him, the presence comes. And, and I waited on the Lord. In fact, somebody came in and I was in tears. I was waiting on the Lord. So, you know, it entails all of that. So that is not passive. That is active. So never put your mind in, 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 at nothing. Never empty your mind. Keep your mind and your focus on the Lord when you're waiting, actively pursuing God. Very good. All right, um, this is a really good one. Can you explain the Holy Spirit being a person? Well, if I do that, then I, I encroach into some of my messages in the future. But I can give you a preview of things to come. So um, uh, any entity that thinks, feels, and wills, listen to this, is said to be a person a personality. To have a personality, you've got to be able to, you've got to be able to reason. That means you have thinking faculties. The Holy Spirit does. He has thoughts separate from ours. Do you ever think about that? And this is part of my message in, in weeks to come. We think of, of the Holy Spirit as, a, as an influence, as a presence. And if we do that, then we think, well, I want I want to get all the Holy Spirit I can get. But if you think of him as a person, then you'll think, 
I need to give myself into his hands. And if I do, he manifests his personality. It's different, right? One lifts you up. The other puts you down and lifts him up. And he lifts Jesus up. And they together lift God the Father up, right? So, so, so a personality has thoughts. And, and see, I could go into detail. Thoughts, um, thoughts that are separate from your own. And you can learn uh, just, just trial and error is the way you learn. And then just uh, the knocks of life. And then just through experience. You can learn. You have to learn what, what thoughts inside of you come from the Holy Spirit and what come from you. You, you, can, you can have uh, thoughts that just start in your own head and they come from external stimuli, from things you see, conversations you have, things you read, yada, yada. Uh, but then you also have thoughts that float up from inside. And, and you got to learn that. I, I can't teach you. they got to learn that yourself. That's why you have a journal, write things down. And don't, don't say all the time, well, the Lord said, because it might, might have been your head. And, and you'll figure out quick, quickly enough which ones which. So thoughts, emotion, feelings. The Holy Spirit has emotions. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, you know. So, so you, that's the reason that our souls, our minds need to be renewed when they are. And your holy and your emotions are are um, uh, freed from the debilitating things of the past, pain, uh, unforgiveness, uh, mental challenges, emotional challenges, things that people have said and done. When your emotions are completely free, the Holy Spirit can rise up and use your emotions. Jesus wept. When he found out that Lazarus has died, that's the shortest verse in the Bible. His emotions were engaged. And um, uh, Jesus moved with compassion. When it says he was moved with compassion, the Greek word is splognos, and, and it comes from the internal organs of the human body. And, and is saying from the innermost part of his person, he felt compassion for the sick, and he would heal them. And the power of God came. So emotions can be used by the Holy Spirit. Does that make? He has emotions. And if you get yours out of the way and get them unencumbered with your mess, then he comes in with his sense. And, and you can grieve. You can weep in prayer. Many of you have wept in prayer. I'm going a little longer. Hang on. This is worth it. Uh, you, you, you many times weep in prayer. Um, you can feel grieved when you're talking with someone. You don't need to tell him. You just grieve me. No, just let, no, just let him do what he's doing. And, and the Holy Spirit will rise up inside of you and show you how to minister to him and how to help him. So you can sense him, uh, his emotions. So he has thoughts, he has emotions, and then he has a will. You can start to do something, and you feel grieved inside. It's the Holy Spirit saying, wait, 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 wait. Uh, in my notes in Sundays to come, we'll talk about Paul going to certain places uh, in Europe, and, and God said, don't, or actually in uh, Turkey, and said, don't go, don't go. Go over here. So again, he has a will. So any entity that thinks, feels, and wills, is a personality, and the Holy Spirit in you has personality. All right. Um, how do I stay in peace with so much disturbance, lies, and deception constantly being thrown at me? Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. In fact, the Hebrew says, thou will keep him in peace, peace, double peace. So, so when I disengage from the word, I lose my sense of peace. Uh, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God 
rule. The Greek word there means be umpire. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you're called in one body and be thankful. One of the fruit of the Spirit is peace, love, joy, peace. So how can you walk in peace? The only way you can walk in peace is disengage your mind from the past happenings in your life, the past hurts, the past pains. Um, Not disengage your mind from life, but the hurts, the pains, the challenges. And then make sure that uh, your mind has absorbed enough scripture so that all throughout your day, moment by moment, when you're having conversations, you're, you're working, you're making decisions, um, you're doing things, um, that as you're going along, you have enough scripture in you that when th- something's said, you've got a decision to make, the word of God rises up and helps you know which way to go. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. You know, we hide his word in our heart that we don't sin against God, the psalmist said. So the problem today is people read the word. Got a lot of Bible plans, 365 days a year. You can read the Bible and it do you no good. How many hear me? I have all kinds of illustrations, but I don't have time to give them. All right. Um, This one's a little bit long. How do I know when I'm hearing the Holy Spirit or when I'm being lied to? Doesn't the Bible say that Satan comes as an angel of light, which means he can fool me? I think he has before, and I'm scared of that. Well, right here, uh, 1 John. I just, I need to read this, and I'm going to read it from a hard copy Bible. Y'all got a hard copy Bible? Uh, Two, right here. 1 John 2, verse, two verses, uh, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Isn't that an interesting verse? You have an anointing from the Holy One and you know, could be translated, you understand all things. And then verse 27 says, but the anointing which you have received from him. How many know that's the Holy Spirit, his presence, uh, abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. You know, let me say this, uh, when I, and I've said this a few weeks ago. When I first came to the Lord, I came to the Lord in September 12, 1976. And then the next year, 1977, that's when the Jim Jones debacle happened uh, in Ghana. And uh, 900 and some people drank the Kool-Aid and died together because that guy convinced them he was right. Well, how many know they were deceived? Well, you know, my little 18-year-old mind said, I ain't gonna let that happen to me. And so I started getting in the word. And uh, because I knew this, if, if I can insulate, you can't isolate, but if I insulate myself with the Bible, with the word of God, if I start memorizing scripture, then when I'm talking to somebody and they're talking off and wrong, I'll know it because I don't want to be deceived. So um, there's all, I wouldn't read any book that people gave me. I want to check out the author first, make sure that was a person of the word of God, make sure that was a spiritually minded person. There are so many books today, it's nuts. And, you've got, and there's so much printed and written information that you've got to figure out the straight and narrow. How many hear me? And there's certain things that I, 
you know, certain theological things I, would, I could read now. I wouldn't dare read them when I first came to the Lord. I wasn't ready. So you got to insulate yourself with Scripture first, and then you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you understand all things. So what happens when you do that, and I don't care where you're at, who you're, at, who you're with, or who's doing the talking, you can just be in an atmosphere, and inside of you, you get a sense, this is on or if this is off. Uh, we've been to, I mean, Susan and I have been married 42 years, done a lot of traveling. I've been, you know, 18, 19 different nations of the world. And you can just be around certain atmospheres and you just know inside, oh boy, I've been talking to people. Uh, and, and people talking to me seem like nice people and I'd never tell, if it happened, you would never know because I never tell you. But I've heard inside, don't bother that person. Leave them alone. And then I later found out they had ulterior motives about them. They were doing things they shouldn't do. And they, they could, if I'd gotten into friendship with them, uh, and that was in my young years, they could have led me astray. Does that make sense? And so even now, um, oh my, I've had it happen so many times. Let me see what I can and can't say. So uh, year, this is many years ago. A political person was on TV. Susan was standing in our uh, living room. Uh, just had flicked the TV on and, and it was the news and some political person was on there and I'm just, I'm a, this happened just this way. It kind of shocked me. I was walking from the kitchen to my bedroom. Here's the, here's the TV and Susan's there looking, you know, she's standing by, by a couch and uh, I said, that person right there, Susan? That person's a snake in the grass. That person's a liar. And I just kept on walking to the room. <laughs> And uh, later on found out it was true. And, you know, it was something inside me that just, it just grabbed me. So you'll have those kind of things happen. We have the spirit of truth inside. To get acquainted with him, get acquainted with the word. Amen. That's very good. Um, how do I know what God wants me to do next? In what? Everything? Anything? Is that all inclusive? Well, I think he might want you to go home and uh, take a shower and brush your teeth and feed the dog, pet the cat, feed the fish, and go to bed. All right. No, wait, wait, I'm not done. (laughs) Next question. (laughs) Some people are so spiritually minded they can't even function. That's why I said that. You know, God... Do I need to drive my car home or walk? No, just drive your car. You know, God has given us common sense, which is not common anymore. And I said that because some believers become so ethereal about the will of God, they can't be practical. And, uh, and so let me tell you what happened to me. Here's, I was a young man. I was probably 19 before I met Susan. I was in Bible school. I'm, in my, I'm living at home with my parents. I'm on the bed, had a day off. I, had, I worked 40 hours a week plus. I went to full-time Bible school. I was nuts busy. And so I had a day off. So I'm reading, and I'm reading a book. I'm reading a book. It's the fall of the year. The leaves, we have these little tiny oak leaves, a water oak, had little tiny leaves on it, hard to rake. My mother's out there, shh. Raking, I hear her, you know, the windows are uh, up a little bit, and, and I'm being real spiritual. And, uh, and, and I'm reading that book, and I've been reading, I read the Bible, I was reading this book, you know, and, and, I, and, and I heard inside, go help your mama rake. I said, I'm, I'm reading this book. Don't you, aren't you proud of me? I'm reading this book. See, I, I was starting to get so lopsided spiritually 
that, that it would have been a problem for me later on. You could, if you're going to be a spiritual person, how many know you have to be a practical person? And if you'll fulfill your normal responsibilities of life and do what you know you should do, be honest with yourself, be honest with others, be frugal with your time, give time for the Lord, give time for others, then God will direct your steps. But if all you want to do is hear God and you're impractical, you're going to get off and, get, and you're going to mess up. I have seen a lot of people do that. How many hear what I'm saying? I've seen some cuckoo people in church. I've seen some people that have more sound minds that aren't even saved than some believers who have gone Looney Tunes because they're always wanting to hear God. Does that make sense? Or did that offend you? The most spiritually minded person is the most practical person because you'll be cognizant of yourself. You'll be responsible for your things. You'll be a hard worker. You'll respect others and their boundaries. You'll respect their personage and you won't invade their space. And then you won't leave a trail everywhere you go. You'll take care of yourself so that nobody else has to do things for you. You're self-sufficient. That kind of person God can speak to. But God has a hard time getting through to an irresponsible, overly spiritual person. Whoa. Is that all right? Very good. Bring it on. <laughs> um, all right, this is, uh, actually, yeah, we got two more. Uh, let's see, sometimes I feel lonely, but I think you're saying God wants me to look to him as the answer to that. How do I do that, and how can someone invisible that I can't see make me feel not lonely anymore? When I first came to the Lord, before I came to the Lord, I was in this relationship with this girl. I wanted to marry her, and she jumped out a second-story window and eloped with another man, boy. <clears throat> so I felt lonely, and uh, it's a crazy story, and I'm glad. I ain't glad she did that, but I'm glad I met this woman right here. But I, so, so I spent a couple of years before Susan and I started dating. Uh, I had to clean myself up with my attitude towards, you know, just relationships of the opposite sex. And, and I just needed to clean up, you know. I had, I had friends who didn't know the Lord. Uh, they, they did drugs, smoked pot, and went all the places that, you know, f catered to that kind of lifestyle. You know? And so a lot of friends that I'd known all my life I had to let go because they didn't want to change their behavior. And when they found out I became a Jesus freak, they didn't want to have anything to do with me. And, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was just Mitch. They'd known me as Mitch since even some of, some of them before we even went to school. And uh, I met him in, you know, three years, four years old. But I, you know, I had to leave him alone because they wouldn't change. And I'm not going to let them tear me. If you don't change your friendships and you think you're going to be a great believer with friends who are doing things that they know they shouldn't do and they're doing them in your presence, you're going to go down. You know, we don't isolate, but you know what? You have to, Jesus didn't isolate from people, but you know what? When he was around people, he was him. And he didn't let their habits, behaviors, lifestyles, and words dominate him. And we have a hard time doing that sometimes. So sometimes you got to make some friendship changes. I mean, doing that makes you lonely. And so, you know, Hebrews 13, 5, you know, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's actually triple in the Greek. I will not, I will not, I will not leave you nor forsake you. So, so if you're feeling lonely, 
you know, what's, what's the reason for that? It could be what I just said. For me, I felt lonely, you know, for a while. I said, God, I just need some friends. And then the scripture says, he that hath friends must show himself friendly. So I had to go put myself in problem. That means I had to come to church a little bit earlier, stay a little bit later, engage people in conversation, invite people to go out and eat, maybe buy somebody lunch, maybe go to breakfast with somebody. You know, I had to start doing things and make myself available. Here, um, get involved in a small group. You may be of a personality type. Maybe you've been hurt, wounded by people. You know, or maybe you don't want to be self-revealing because you've revealed too much of yourself in the past and you're afraid people are going to take advantage of that for the umpteenth time. So you just shut up and leave everybody alone. If you do that, you hurt yourself. And you feel lonely all the time. And, and so, so, you know, first of all, God's got, you got to allow God to, to, to heal that broken part in you. And that means you got to forgive people who have hurt you, offended you, abused you, taken advantage of you, you know, reveal things that they shouldn't have revealed. How many know you got to do all that? Otherwise, you can isolate and feel lonely. So there's lots of reasons for feeling lonely. Of course, this past year, COVID-19, good grief, everybody felt kind of, you know, they were telling everybody to crawl in a hole and do nothing. Well, you know what? It wasn't good for anybody. It's definitely not good for a kid. So, you know, uh, balance it out. Just guess, got, 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 you know, say, Lord, help me to befriend people. Lord, put me in the proximity of people that, that uh, I, can, I can be friends with. And, but more than that, you know, you got to be willing to, um, I know I'm going a little over. But, you know, you got to be willing to, um, to be comfortable in your own skin when nobody's around. If you've got to have somebody all the time, you have a problem, you know, because there are going to be times in life the, the phases of life come, you know, and, and if you, you got to learn the phases of life. When you're young, man, life is fun, got lots of friends, you get older, you get busy, you got your career, then you have children, then you're tired as crud. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, help me. I just want to sit and do nothing. Let's look at the wall. That's great. Sometimes Susan and I got so tired, we just sit there. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> you know? What do you want to do? I don't want to do nothing. I'm just so tired. Y'all ever been that way? And then as you age, you know, you know, I mean, your energy sometimes, now I don't think my energy will ever decrease, but some people's does. And so that keeps people from being outgoing as they should. So first of all, you got to learn to be comfortable with yourself. For me, I had to learn to be comfortable. Some people, if they're alone, they're fidgety. So if you're alone and fidgety, you have a problem. Uh, say, God, help me. Why, why do I just have to have somebody to prop me up all the time? Because that's what it is. That's what it is. And ask him to help you. And you know what you'll find out? You'll find out that um, if you'll just get in the word and get in the presence, that he will be the closest friend you've ever had. And all of us have feelings of melancholy and all that kind of stuff. All of us have it sometimes but you'll find out he'll be everything that you need. And then if you say, Lord, I would like to have some friends, and then if you'll put yourself in proximity of where people are, then he'll show you who can be some friends. And in that context, he will be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Very good. Um, this is the last one that was texted to me. Um, you mentioned on Sunday that the Holy Spirit is a helper. How do you discern between the counsel of the Holy Spirit and your flesh slash your mind? Uh, sometimes that, you know, it's according to what it is. I mean, that's, those are broad questions. So, um, 
the helper. In fact, my notes from, and I didn't really get as far as I wanted to get into all that. And I will get into it, but uh, let's see. I want to get my notes. I've got them right here. So um, in my notes, the helper, parakletos, is the, is the Greek word there. And it literally means a person called alongside to aid or help you. This idea, this idea you got so much in your hands, you got to have somebody take some of what you got, help you out. You know, they're your helper, you know, or, or whatever. So, uh, but the issue with that is he's not just alongside you, he's inside of you. And so Jesus said, he is with you and will be in you, speaking of the Holy Spirit, which is really cool. Amplified, I mentioned, uh, gives one, two, three, four, five words, six words, uh, that describe the Holy Spirit. Counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby. I really like that. So he's a counselor. If I need, if I need wisdom, if I wait long enough, he'll, he'll show me what to do, show me the direction to take. And how does he do that? Bring scripture up to your mind. Uh, he can be a helper, helps, and he can help in a thousand and one ways. Um, uh, you know, with finances, he can show you what to do, show you what you don't need to spend, you know, with, with your physical body, what you don't need to eat, what you ought to be eating, with exercising, you know, how, how to increase your your own metabolism and, and just feel better. And he's talking to me about all those kinds of things. And I'll go into detail later. Uh, intercessor, I mean, he just comes in there when we need it most, when we're feeling low. I, I mean, I've told y'all, I had times in life I just wanted to quit and he would not let me quit. I heard him inside, get up. And I would have scripture. And they were, knowing all these things, you're more than a conqueror and gain, gain a surpassing victory that's amplified. Uh, through him that loved you and gave himself for you, Romans 8, 37, 38. So uh, he's, he just does so many things. How is he a helper? In lots of ways. He's a strengthener, an advocate, a standby. A uh, Latin word for helper means one who comes with strength. So for me, you know, I think about what I got to do all day if I got to have conversations with people, if I got to make decisions, uh, if I've got a meeting with, you know, for me with our board, with other people, um, with staff team, with church members, if I've got, you know, weddings, funerals, got to preach, you know, the way I know he helps me is I just talk to the Father in my waiting on the Lord time in the morning. So, Lord, look here, I got to do this, got to do that. I pray about things ahead of time. And here's what you'll find out. If you pray about everything you got to do, uh, then then when that whatever you got to do shows up in that particular day. I mean, pray several weeks ahead of time. You know, sometimes with some things, pray months ahead of time. If you do that and then you're praying regularly every day, then when you need him, the Holy Ghost will show up with you and he'll help you with this conversation. You know, when I was a new believer, I hadn't thought of this in here. When I was a new believer, I was so backwards in my personality. I was an extreme introvert. I know it's hard to believe, but I was. I didn't want to be around anybody. I didn't want anybody to talk to me. I didn't want to talk to them because I, I thought I'd just open my mouth and insert my foot all the time, so I'd just shut up. And so, no kidding, I first came to the Lord. Uh, I mean, even going to visit friends, I would say, Lord, I don't even know what to say. Help me. Help me have conversation. I'd be on the way to church, say, Lord, help the pastor preach, but then, Lord, before and after service, I got to meet all these people. I don't know any of these people. They, they're strangers to me. Help me to know what to say. Help me, to, help me to talk to people who need to and not talk to the people that don't need to. It's just that simple. Does that make sense? 
uh, you know, the first date with Susan scared the bejeebies out of me because she's this beautiful girl. Can I pick on you? So we're talking after Bible school class. We're talking after Bible school, and, and she was really pretty, and she had this really, really nice perfume. It's like, mm-hmm, keep talking. I just want to keep talking to her. And so eventually I asked her out, and, uh, and she finally said yes, and it's a big story. But on the way to her house, it was 14 miles from my parents' house to her house. And that 14 miles, I said, Lord, I, this is a beautiful girl. I need to know how to relate to her, and I don't know what in the world to say. I'm just an old country boy. I don't know what to say to her. She lives in the city. I live in the country. And you need to help me. And you know what? Every time I go over there, I say, Lord, open up conversation. And he would. And she finally said, I do. Isn't that awesome? So I'm just using that as, a, as an example. But, you know, if you know, we have an attorney sitting on the front row, if you'd pray, I think God would help you present your, your case before the judge, right? Or when you meet new clients, he can help you, right? Or, or you know, you got business people. I mean, just, just seek the Lord, and, and you'll find the Holy Spirit will help you in a thousand ways. He is a, if you cut hair for a living, he'll help you cut hair. If you drive a t- truck, he'll help you not have a wreck and keep that thing on the straight and narrow and, and, and make lots of money, you know? And whatever you need, he will be. I can keep talking, but I need to hush. Did you tell me to hush? What is it? Oh, wow. What about the screen? What? <laughs> That's a beautiful picture of Susan. What do you want me to do with the screen? Just, I don't know that what was, you... That was the end result. <laughs> What? Uh, that was the end result right there. That's the end result. That's right. I got it. Ding. Go. I <laughs> got, got it. pieces together. It's all good. <laughs> Anything else? That's all that we have that came in. Did you want to take a couple of questions here or? Yeah. Okay. Anybody got anything? Get one back here. Hey, Pastor. Hey. So one of the things that we, one of the things that I've, basically seen recently in witnessing is that I'll run into someone and it'll be about mega church or it'll be about a pastor that has fallen away. Mm -hmm. Um, We've seen something, you know, recently in the news with Hillsong, you had Ravi Zacharias, you had these different things. And in those particular cases, what would you recommend when someone's witnessing where to go in the Bible for scripture to talk about how, uh, you know, Obviously, saints in the past have fallen, and they have, you know, Peter, we could go back to Solomon. They've all had difficulties and things that have happened. Sure. But what would you direct, you know, what would you directly, how would you handle that situation? Um, you know, try, basically, obviously, from an apologetic standpoint. Well, I mean, if they're bringing up that, well, well, Christians don't live right either, and Christians sin, just like, just like you know, you say you guys are so right, but y'all do the same things we do. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit left to direct in the context of the conversation, but, you know, I guess uh, apologetically, you know, we just mentioned the fact that we're all members of the human race and that all of us have fallen hearts and all of us are susceptible to failure. And, and high-profile people, you know, uh, often when they fail, they have glaring failures because everybody sees them. But you know what? The truth is all of us fail in some way. And just because a person's a Christian doesn't mean they're a perfect person. A Christian is a person who knows their faults, their frailties, their weaknesses, and their sins. 
and they know they're in need of a Savior. And they know that they're in need of the grace of God and they've appealed to the grace of God and asked Jesus Christ to come and forgive their sin, come into their life and, and help them uh, help them to do better in life. Doesn't mean they're not gonna sin again, but the want to for sin is removed from a believer's life. And then if you have a high profile believer uh, that everybody knows that says something they shouldn't say or gets in, involved in some uh, act that everybody knows is wrong, even in the culture, then you know, I just need to pray for the grace of God to be on that person. But I don't allow, and apologize, so, you know, I don't allow another person to determine the choices I make, you know. Um, uh, all of us stand individually before God, and, and I can't be responsible for what a per, another person does or doesn't do. And I shouldn't allow another person to keep me from the Lord. You know, Peter failed. And and, God, and Jesus used him, you know, Jesus used him, I mentioned that Sunday, uh, on the day of Pentecost to preach a tremendous sermon, you know. Um, you can go all through the Bible. Moses killed a man at 40 years old, but the burning bush came when he was 80. So, you know, regardless of where you've been, God can redeem you, God can forgive you, and God can help you. It's an amazing story, isn't it? It's amazing grace, wouldn't you say? I mean, Abraham lied about his wife. And, and he's still called the father of faith. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? So, wow. That's kind of, ooh, I feel that. Does that make sense? I could keep preaching, but you get the idea. You know, yeah, yeah. So, as you know, when I'm talking to people, I want them to, I'm not up here and they're down here. We're here. We're human. All of us experience the same thing. So, when I'm preaching, if y'all notice when I preach, I try to tell y'all the good, the bad, the ugly, and the indifferent, and the just, you know, I'm me. I don't do it all right all the time. And you know, when I don't, I repent and God forgives me. That's not saying I'm in some kind of crazy flagrant sin. I'm not, but you know, I just try to be real. They well have pitfalls. So, yeah. Anybody got anything else? We've got to cut this off soon. This is, okay. I was told I had a text message of a question. but Everybody it was, okay? It was a joke. Everybody okay? Good for one more? All right. Five more? I'm joking. Okay. If God knows what we need more than we do, if he knows our thoughts and desires, if he sees our future and charts our path, why pray? Why not just wait for him to do whatever he's going to do anyway? Well, Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. And James, it wasn't Jesus, it was James. Have not because you ask not. You ask, uh, ask, and you ask for the wrong things because you say, so, I mean, you know, we got to ask. I mean, we listen, let's be real. Why do we have to pray? Because we live in a fallen world and we're in a warfare and we don't wrestle against human beings. And if everything was perfect and Adam hadn't sinned and Eve, had, Eve hadn't eaten the fruit and Adam listened to her, then we'd just have a wonderful life, wouldn't we? But because they did do that, then, you know, the atmosphere is charged with doubt, unbelief, fear. And there is a strategy to keep us away from God. And, and, to, and, and we've got to break out against that strategy, the stratagems of the devil. First uh, John five nineteen says the whole world lies under the embrace of the evil one. You've got to break that embrace, number one, by making Jesus Lord. And then once you make Jesus Lord, get number two, get filled with the Holy Spirit. That'll give you some power in your life. Thirdly, third, get the word inside of you. We get the word inside of us, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You start saying out loud what God says about you, making declarations, and then you start praying and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, here's, uh, 
Here's Matthew 21, 22. Here's uh, um, Mark 11, 24. Here's John 15, 7. Here's uh, Luke uh, 11, 8 through 10. Here's uh, John 16, 23 and 24. Here's 1 John 3, 22 and 1 John 5, 14 and 15. All those verses. Say, if you pray, he's going to do it. If you believe and if you're, if you're living according to his purposes. You got it? And so we pray, God answers, and it's just amazing. But then Isaiah, on the other hand, to balance it out, you know, he, he, he mentioned a, a place in time, before you call, he will answer. While you're yet speaking, he will hear. Kenneth Hagin, I love that man. I can't wait to hug him in heaven. But, you know, he died in 2003. But you know what he, he said? I heard him say it several times when I lived in Tulsa in the 80s. Uh, and, and I didn't understand it because I was young, but I get it now. He said, you know, I hardly pray for myself anymore. He said, I pray for others. He said, and he said this, God meets me. He meets all my needs. My needs are met. He said, I really pray. I said, my gosh, all I do is intercede for myself. Jesus help. You know. <laughs> but, you know, you get to a place spiritually that God is your all in all. And then he can use you to minister life to others. So you know a, a good uh, sign of spiritual maturity is you're not focusing on you. You're fo- focusing on Jesus and then focusing on others. If you're still focusing on yourself, you've got a ways to go. You get it? Babies cry and whine because they don't get in the way. And you can tell when you're growing up. So who else got something? We got it. Oh, where? I got it. Got a text message. Um, why is sex outside of marriage a big deal? And what is considered defiling the marriage? What do you mean by a big, big deal? That means a lot of people do it? Is that what you say? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, considered defiling the marriage bed, what's included? Um, why is kissing okay but not anything else? Someone was asking me, and I didn't know what all the answers. Is there a verse that says kissing ain't good? Mm-hmm. Y'all got a verse for kissing? <laughs> Susan, can I kiss you? What's that? There you go. That's right. so, <laughs> Genesis 2 is very clear that God instituted marriage, that sexuality is to be fulfilled only in marriage. They were naked, both the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. And that is a reference to human sexuality. And every person in this room has sexual desire. And you can lie about it if you want to. You got it. Uh, healthy sexual desire is male, male for female, female for male. Unhealthy sexual desire, twisted, perverted sexual desire is anything else. Heterosexuality is God's plan and God's purpose. And... The micro small number of people that are born with chromosomal issues, whose bodies are a little bit twisted, their heart, you know, I don't want to get into all that, but so it's such a microcosm of the whole that, you know, uh, books are filled with how to deal with those kinds of things. But generally speaking, God placed a desire in a man for a woman a woman for a man. If you've got any other kind of desire, you're looking at our culture and demon spirits are talking to your head. 
And now, and now that's being taught in our, in our schools, in our universities as normal. And now you can be fluid. You can be a man one day and a woman. Well, you know, the apparatus don't change from day to day. You is what God made you to be. So I don't want to get into all that except to say sexuality is God's plan. Uh, number one, for the, pro, for, the, for the procreation of the human race. And, and then secondly, uh, to be the icing on the cake in a, in, in, a, in a really close relationship that Jesus identified his relationship with the church with. You know, marriage, the closeness that Susan and I have, if you're married, your spouse has, you know, that's the kind of closeness that God wants to have with us if you have a good marriage. Does that make sense? We're the bride of Christ. Why? He's trying to identify closeness with some people he deeply loves. And a, and, and a husband takes, is supposed to take care of his wife and provide, and he wants to do that for us, right? So so human sexuality is a deep subject. There's a, lot, there's a lot to say that I don't have time to say tonight except, um, you know, um, sex outside of marriage is, is crazy right now. Uh, it's over 40%. What's the, I don't even, I had recent percentages of children born out of wedlock. It's really high. And it will be the dissolution of any culture that goes there. You cannot exist. Uh, America cannot exist. Listen to what I'm saying. And I hope you're listening. If you're listening online, listen. America cannot exist as a healthy nation that is fruitful and, and good and plentiful uh, with homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, pedophilia, and all of that without strong heterosexual marriage that creates an environment for the raising of children and the introduction of value systems that go from generation to generation. It doesn't take long for a nation to crumble. So we've lasted as long as we have because heretofore, We've generally had some fairly strong families. But in recent past few generations, there's been a huge breakdown of the family, and it's a big problem. And, and, then, and, and it's because we're saying you can do anything you want to do with sex. And the other caveat on that, and there's a lot to say, got a whole series on sex. Um, uh, every idol ever worshipped by man in antiquity Go search it out and prove me wrong. Every idol worshipped by man in history is worshipped with sexual deviancy. Every single one. And I'm reading the book of Jeremiah. I was reading it this afternoon some. And God was so upset with the Israelites. He said, you're playing the harlot. I love you. But he said that because they were worshiping false gods. And to worship the false gods, they would have sexual orgies. They'd commit fornication, homosexuality, lesbianism, uh, bestiality, pedophilia in the pagan temples. And it was all okay. If you've ever been to India, I don't encourage you to do it, but if you do go, look up on the, go, go look up on the Indian temples. There's every form of sexual deviancy you can imagine and all that ornate art on top. I've got pictures. It's gaudy and awful. Somebody said the devil's middle name is S-E-X. You get involved in immorality, you're inviting demons into your life. 
And the reason we're having so many problems in America is God created you to be tied to one person for life. And when you give your mind and emotions away to a bunch of people, how can you ever be tied to anything? How can you ever be satisfied with anything, right? I've been tied to this lady. For, it ain't tied. Hey, we've been hooked together. I love her. And she's my one and only. But you know, if you try to, if you try to, you know, say that anybody can have sex anybody, anytime with anything, anybody, there are no wrongs, it's only right. You're looking for personal problems. You're looking for depression. You're looking for devils. And things won't go well for you, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, right on down the family tree. So I don't think personally we in America even have a generation left unless God does something supernatural because we've abused sex. If you're here and you've been involved in a lot of immorality and you've had sex with a lot of people, the first thing you want to do is repent and say, God, I've been out of control, forgive me. And then, God, I ask you to take this, all, these, all these things that are in my mind and cleanse me from that. How many hear what I'm saying? Lord, help me not to feed back on my past and remember all the people I've been with and what I've been doing. Lord, cleanse me. Let the blood of Jesus help me. I command every devil that messed with me through anybody I've been with, leave me in Jesus' name. And let the peace of God come into my life. And then clean up your thought life. Clean up your, you know, just clean up. Clean up how you think. Clean up your emotional life. If you're married, love your spouse. If you're not married, look at Jesus. Right? If you're a young person wanting to get married, find somebody that's pure. If you find something else, it's like a, it's like a dirty mud hole. That's tough, isn't it? Y'all want to keep talking? I got a lot to say. Anyway, we got to go, y'all. It's 821. Y'all okay? You got one more? I just have Look one more. Grace. You, you want to do this one? All right. I will stand up. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what do you do when someone you care about is becoming so, quote, unquote, religious, you can't have a conversation with them? I would take them to a really nice restaurant and ask them to, to, to and, and say, I'm paying, and I want you to get your favorite food on this menu. And then I would get something to eat, and we'd just start talking. And I'd engage them in conversation and just let them talk ethereally and uh, get their belly full. And they say, can I be real with you? This hurts. And tell them to me what my impressions are and say I could be wrong. Maybe I'm that way. Maybe correct me. But it seems to me that you're doing this, 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 and this. And uh, it just seems like we're not, you know, we're not making connections. I'm not making the connection I want to make. Can you help me with that? You know, uh, now this is way off the line here. Did you know demon spirits can cause people to be ultra-religious? Yes or no? So if you're not connected to terra firma well and you're an impractical person and you bloviate and talk about all these spiritual things but you're an irresponsible person, you got deep, deep problems.
Did I say that clearly enough? <laughs> Bo, did I say it clearly enough, bro? <laughs> you know? So, you know, sometimes you can help somebody like that. Somebody, sometimes you can't, you know? Um, when I was young, <laughs> I can't say that. When I was young, I just say this. When I was young, my mother got filled with the Holy Spirit uh, in 1975. Me in 1970. Some of the family members got got concerned and said, "You know, you know, I know people that lost their mind reading the Bible too much." I mean, that's what they said. You know, I know people that lost their mind. You, you get so spiritual, you lose your mind. That's what they said. Because, you know, I guess they saw, knew some people that went cuckoo in yesteryear, you know. So it's like, we don't want you to lose your mind. Don't be so spiritual all the time. And so if you're really going to walk with God, there's, there's a fine line between two, true spirituality and then be, it being excessive and being a fanatic. And let me say it again. Maybe the Holy Spirit's saying something to folk that are listening online. I'm sure nobody in here is like this, but, you know, Listen. The most spiritual people are the most practical people. And if your practicality has been usurped by your spiritual life, you really got some problems. You're overcompensating. What are you overcompensating for? Right? Your children ought to say, he's a great guy to hang around. She's a great person to be around. I love my brother. I love my mama. You know, whoever you are in context with them, you ought to be just a, a good person. Your neighbors ought to say, no, he's a fine man. She's a fine lady. But if they say, yeah, something squirrely going on there, you know, figure out what's going on, y'all. You get it? Is that okay? Do I need to go deeper? Deep. I got one thing, y'all, I want to do, and we're going to go home. I, uh, I was in upstairs praying this afternoon, reading, and, um, and I got a call from, um, can I say this publicly? It wasn't a call. I got a messenger. Some people will text me, you know, talk to me on Messenger, Facebook. And I, and I got a, a, a Facebook message from someone who, uh, whose husband's in the hospital with COVID. And it's, and it's uh, Chris Creedle. And he used to be a youth pastor here. And so uh, she asked me, please pray. It's very serious. And I said I would. And while I was praying, the Holy Spirit came on me. And... Uh, and so I prayed a good while, and uh, I had the absolute intense knowing that God wants to minister to people with COVID, yes or no. And the problem now is you can't even go see him in the hospital. And, uh, and then I told Susan, and when I said it, it hit her, she started weeping, didn't it? But the Lord talked to me about doing what I've done in the past and, and, and using that as a tool or as a go-between for God to do something for people who are in the hospital with this. And uh, so it's Acts, get out of the way, Acts uh, 19, verse 11. God gave Paul power to perform unusual miracles. Verse 12, when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases, and evil spirits were expelled. Um, 
So here's a commentary Bible I have here. Paul's ministry at Ephesus was marked by extraordinary miracles of healing and setting people free from control of demons. Some of these acts were a direct result of Paul's spirit-led ministry, but his life and work for God were so filled within and without with God's power. Some of these miracles happened, uh, though, indirect contact uh, with Paul's, through uh, uh, indirect contact with Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons that had been in contact with his body. And, uh, of course, these material objects had no magical qualities or spiritual power in themselves, but they represented a point of contact and faith involving someone who had a powerful relationship with God. Uh, where the woman was healed after touching the edge of Jesus' cloak, for instance. Diseases disappeared and evil spirits left when the suffering persons touched the cloth and the references in the New Testament. Any minister today... And then on the other side, any minister today who attempts to gain recognition or financial support by advertising handkerchiefs or healings uh, for healing is not acting according to Paul's motive and spirit. So, you know, Paul didn't do that to show himself. He wanted people to be ministered to. So over the years, uh, let me just say that in my life, you can't make it happen, but I feel the anointing and I prayed a good bit today. And uh, I'm going to cry when I do this because I feel it. But, you know, if God uses a person in gifts of healings, and sometimes he does with me, not all the time, and, and some, it comes and goes, and that's the way it is with everybody that does it. But when that happens, I've, I've prayed over cloths just like uh, Paul did in Acts 19, 11, and 12. And people have laid it on their sick and afflicted relatives, and they've been healed. How many think God could touch Chris? Stretch your hands out. <laughs> Lord, let that anointing that I feel right now, it comes up. Let it go into the cloth, sir. (laughs) And let it be laid on Chris's body. And let him be healed from this affliction. I command the demonic forces, loose him. Let the angels of God surround him. And when this touches him, let that anointing I feel right now, let it come upon him. And may I hear, this is gift of faith, may I hear with my own ears, Chris is made to turn. And may I see him face to face one day. And he tells me, God healed me. How many agree? Woo, there it is. So, Lord, I just lay hands on the rest of these as well if somebody has someone that needs that. Let the anointing of Jesus, the healing power of God, go into these cloths. And when they're laid upon the sick, <laughs> let them be healed in Jesus' name. How many agree? Smith Wigglesworth's wife, as I close, um, would lay a pray over a cloth and lay it under his pillow at night. Smith Wigglesworth was an English evangelist of yesteryear, down in the late 40s, and uh, he was a cantankerous old rascal. And she just kept laying that thing under his pillow. He got saved. He came to Jesus. Because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. So you can lift your hands up. Lord, I sent your presence in this room. 
Lord, let your presence invade us from the inside out. Live us, Lord, live in such a way that we're never ashamed of you. Help us to represent you, sir, well. Help us to walk with you every day. Help us to start our day with you. Lord, when we end our day and lay our head on our pillow, let us rest in your grace. Let us rest in your presence. Let the angels of God surround us. I plead the blood of Jesus over every person in this room, anybody watching. Lord, take us into our future that seems so crazy and let the glory of God shine through us. Lord, help us to be practical people that serve a wonderful, loving Savior. And let us represent you very well in all of our relationships, in our words, in our choices, in how we conduct ourselves uh, in our professional business life, uh, in how we conduct ourselves at school, if we're in school or college, how we conduct ourselves in our communities, in our families, with our spouses, with our children, our grandchildren, and with our friends. Lord, move through us. Let the Spirit of God work deeply in each person in this room. In Jesus' name. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear, let it be a sweet, sweet sound. Do it again. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound. One more time. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Let us go with your presence on us.